Let us pray. All of creation responds to you, Father. Holy, holy, and holy is the Lord our God. We praise you. We thank you for the privilege of assembling. We thank you, Father, that even in this time of isolation, we have been able to gather and fellowship not exactly like we want to, but so much better than no fellowship. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that you will help us this day to understand how to align our lives with you as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I want to invite you to turn with me. <clears throat> I have two, two scriptures that I want us to see, and I'll just quote the first. It's a portion of Amos 3.3, and then we'll look in the Bible, open your Bible to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and look at verse 28 and 29. <clears throat> One of the challenges that's is part of this whole virus crisis that we uh, seem to be in <clears throat> is how do you plan? How do you plan anything? If you don't know what tomorrow brings, how do you plan for tomorrow? Well, actually, to some degree, that is how the Lord taught us to live, that the Holy Spirit would be our instructor. And James says, <clears throat> woe to those who say tomorrow we'll go do this and we'll go do that, we'll go do that. You don't know what tomorrow brings. He said, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord permits, if the Lord chooses, we will. And so part of, part of what this has done, it should have done in us as Christians, is to <clears throat> bring us out of our daytimers and our calendars and our highly structured world that we like to organize so that we have a sense of control and, uh, and brings us back to, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow is bringing, but we know that you hold tomorrow and we trust you. And so one of the things that, that Brother Dave and myself, our, our lead team staff, we've been thinking about and praying about, I've been, I've been thinking about since we're not able to meet in Sunday school groups like we have in the past. If this thing continues through the end of the year, they say bad habits are formed or good habits are formed in three months. Well, we're in our, what, fourth month? And uh, <clears throat> a lot of people are going to have a lot of bad habits as far as participating in church, if that is true. And waiting for a long time to try to figure out what to do about getting into God's Word in, in small groups 
God works in, in the New Testament, you find two groups. You find the large group worship, and you find the small group Bible study. They met, the, the church of Jerusalem had 3,000 converts in one day when Peter preached. And the Bible says they met daily uh, in the temple, that's a large group, and house to house. It does not mean that 3,000 people came to your house. It means that people who were connected in family groups or in relational groups uh, took the apostles' teaching that they heard in the large group and broke it down in their lives and interacted that way. And so we've been looking for some ways to, to have a future, uh, even if this COVID lasted a long time. Pray that it doesn't. And so we, we, we're, we want you to know whether COVID comes or goes, stays or doesn't. Christians ought to be able to thrive in any situation. We ought to be connected to God's Word in any situation. And we ought to be innovative when it comes to fellowship. I may not be able to hug you physically. That doesn't mean that we can't communicate and share words and share thoughts and share ideas. And so I want to encourage you in that walk because I know this is terribly discouraging. Uh, I, have you thought about the fact that you have FaceTime? I went to Africa in 2003. I'd call my wife. It cost me like $4 a minute on the motel phone there in Zambia, Lusaka. And I wanted to hear her voice. And, uh, but yet I didn't want to talk forever. $4 a minute is quite steep. And I'm in the lobby of the hotel, and the guy says, um, I don't know you, but he's got, a, he's got a headset on, and he's got his computer, and he's plugged in, and he's talking to someone. He said, why don't you take this and call home? It won't cost you anything. And I learned about uh, Skype. And now I actually have interviewed students from as far away as Hong Kong on this phone. Isn't that amazing? And so even with the crisis and our difficult situation, we can still interface if we choose to make that a part of our life. All right. Enough said. So we're, we're looking at ways, and you pray with us and, and, and pray that God will guide us in these matters so that we can um, find ways to thrive during this time. I am grateful we have someone who is asked to join our church or asked how to join our church. We've had two people join our church during the COVID crisis. We have another one who wants to. I see some churches are baptizing, and I long to see that happen here too. We have prayed for people and seen God heal people, and some of that has been right here over the phone uh, with, with FaceTime. I've never anointed anybody with oil before through the phone, but when Greg Darius had this and uh, Covis and asked, we were able to do that, and his wife actually on the other end of the phone. Now, it didn't work like this. It didn't, I put oil on my phone, she takes oil out of her phone. doesn't work that way. But the point is aligning ourselves with God as best we can and trust that he knows our heart and he will work, and he has. All right, Amos 3. Amos poses the question, can two walk together unless they agree? And and if you, if you study that verse out a little bit, what he's saying, and some translations will say, can two walk together unless they make an appointment? 
The point is that someone's leaving, and it's hard for us to think like this because we have very little context of walking from one place to another unless it's just, you know, from the refrigerator to the table or something. But in those days, if you left this town and you went to that town, almost everybody walked. The wealthy and most powerful people found ways of transport other than walking, but average people walked. Still true in many parts of the world. Never forget the, the translator who asked me when as I was traveling in Africa in a car we had rented with six people squished like this and my head sideways because I didn't, car was short. And uh, he said, Pastor Gary, do you have, do most families in America have a vehicle? And I said, yes, most families do. <gasps> that is so wonderful. He said, do most families, do, does your family, do y'all have a vehicle? And I said, I thought, I have four kids in college. We have six vehicles. Actually, we have seven. I have six vehicles. Everybody has one, and I had one spare. So that when the kids' old vehicle broke down, I could take it to them and from college and get theirs and fix it, and they'd had some way to get around. And I said, I can't tell him that because he has no concept of that. I said, yes, my family has a vehicle. He was coming from a context of having to walk. And so when you preach in a marketplace there in places in Zambia, 95% of the people who were at that marketplace walked to get there. And so the, the, the question that is asked by Amos is, can two people, can two people meet together and walk together without making an agreement about doing that? And his, his emphasis is, that if you want to walk with God, Israel, you've got to come into an agreement with Him. I want to talk this morning about the importance of agreeing with God. Look at Matthew 11, 28 and 29. This is Jesus, and He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus taught that the, the, the law and the scribes and the Pharisees laid heavy burdens on people that they themselves would not lift a finger to carry. I want to tell you, le living legalistically is a heavy burden. Trying to not just keep God's, what God is concerned about, but the thousands upon thousands of legality issues beyond that in the Old Testament legal system controlled every aspect of your life. And Jesus said that's a heavy burden. If you've been trying to live a perfect life and you're trying to live for people or you're trying to live and check off the checklist, Jesus' word is come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29 says, can you read that?
Some of you can read. That's good. Thank you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul. You'll find soul rest. This is a yoke. This is a goat yoke. I didn't find a sheep yoke. If I'd have found a sheep yoke, I would have gotten it. But this is a goat yoke. I don't know if it's appropriate for Christians because God calls us sheep. Although Jesus said he's going to have to separate the sheep from the goats. So make sure you get in the right group, okay? And so the, the picture is of harnessing the power of two to pull a load. But there's another picture. When Jesus used this story, he said, take my yoke upon you. Hook yourself to me in the same way that two oxen are hooked together. The practice of training young and strong ox was to get an old and strong and steady ox who had been broken to carry the load and to hook them together. And the young buck will learn the steady way to walk in obedience to the Master. And Jesus is saying, if you want rest for your soul, if you want rest for your spirit, two things are necessary. One, come to me. You will not find that soul rest. You will not find salvation. You will not find deliverance. You will not find your burdens lifted off of you unless you come to me for salvation. Come to me through the cross. It is at the cross where God took my burden. It is on the cross where Jesus nailed my burden, my inability to keep the law, to, to live a righteous life in my own ability. God nailed it to the cross and my burden of sin was taken by Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me. If you're weary, come to me. And then he says, but don't just come to me and stop there. Too many Christians want to come to the cross but have not been taught that Jesus has, has told us that it's not only coming to the cross where our burdens of sin are lifted, but it's coming to the cross where we enter into a life of discipleship. Where we enter into a life where we come to Him and learn from Him. To come into alignment with Jesus so that we can learn to walk in agreement with Jesus. And he's saying, my burden is light. My load is easy. And my mic is on. Sorry about that. Have you ever thought about how important it is that we learn to live our lives in agreement with God? I want to share with you some thoughts on that this morning. Learning to agree with God may be the most important lesson in all of life. 
Jesus invites us to come to him to have our sins forgiven. But he also says that, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Hook yourself to me in such a way that you learn how to walk in rhythm with me, step by step. So why is it important to learn to agree with God? I want to give you a couple of reasons this morning. Number one, it's important to learn to agree with God because you and I were made for God. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. If you've got your Bible handy, why don't you look that up? And somebody read that out loud. Now you've got to project your voice. Make sure there's nobody, you're not speaking toward anybody, except speak to me, I'm far enough away, your, your voice will not carry anything all the way to me. Revelation chapter 4. Worthy are you, O Lord, our Lord. Our God to receive glory and honor and power. See, some of those songs we sing like we sang this morning, Worthy Are You, come right out of the Scripture. These are songs that we'll be singing in heaven. And so we need practice here. Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, our, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And because of your will, they exist and were created. Now, I like the translation in, in found in the Old King James, and maybe in the New King James. I haven't checked it. Because of your will, and a, and a more literal rending of that might be for your pleasure. Did you know that you were created to bring pleasure to God? You ever thought about that? Your purpose in life and my purpose in life is to do His will, and in doing His will, we are doing His pleasure. We are, we are instruments, and, and we are people of His pleasure. You were created for God. I was created for God. Frustration often comes as the result of living at odds with your created purpose. The world teaches us that we were created for our own pleasure. The world teaches us that joy comes from doing whatever you feel like doing, whenever you want to do it. In the 60s, there was a song, it's your thing, do what you want to do. And if you look at television, you look at music, you look at entertainment, there's this consistent thought that expressing every desire of your heart and satisfying every desire of your heart will bring you satisfaction in life. The problem with that is, it is a lie. If you do everything that is in your heart, you're going to do some things that's going to break your heart and destroy your life. But if you learn to walk in agreement with Jesus, You will find a satisfaction that will last eternally. When you live a life based on what pleases you rather than God, you never find lasting satisfaction, nor do you find lasting contentment. If you live for wealth, for status, for power, 
for other human achievement rather than for God's will and purpose, you find only temporary satisfaction. Jesus himself said, I've come to do your will. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's in the past, I press on for the for the mark, the mark of the high calling of God. There was a movie back in the 70s that was very popular called Chariots of Fire. It was about a, um, a runner who ran, marathon ran, runner who was an Olympic, became an Olympic winner. And uh, Someone asked him, he was a Christian, he wound up giving himself and becoming a missionary down in South America. But as he was running, someone asked him, you know, why do you, why do you put so much into this? And he said, because I feel God smile when I run. Let me ask you, what makes you smile? What has God prepared you to do that pleases him what equipment has God given you that you can employ in his kingdom Jesus in model, model prayer said hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth humans find ultimate satisfaction in knowing and doing God's will in living to bring our father pleasure in living to make his name known and held in highest esteem Second reason that uh, I want to share with you about agree, learning to agree with God is, is this, that not to agree with God is to disagree with God. Have you thought about that? Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? It's basic. Jesus said, he who is not with me is what? I, I'm, I'm a little hard here. Thank you. Isaiah, by the way, that's in Matthew 12, 30, if you want that note. He that's not with me is against me. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. Isaiah rightly saw the condition of the whole world when he said this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to his own way. And turning to my own way and going astray and doing what I want to do, independent of God's will in my life, is called what? Sin. It's the definition of sin. And so Jesus said, come to the cross and come to me and find your burdens taken. But then he said, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Learn to live in agreement with me so that your life and following me is not a hard thing but it becomes an easy thing most of us think that if if we if we could just do what we want to do and god be okay with that it'd be an easy life but i want to tell you that'll break up your life it'll break up your home it'll break up your job it'll break up everything you just go ahead and follow a life of pleasing yourself and you will find the opposite of satisfaction you were created 
for Jesus. You were created for Him. And if you're not in agreement with Him, by default, you are in disagreement. He who is not with me is against me. Third reason. Alignment with God's a basis. And hear this if you don't hear anything else I say. Alignment with God is a basis. Agreement with God, I should have said, is the basis for every spiritual blessing and all spiritual growth. It is a mistake to think if I just read the Bible five times a day and I say the Lord's Prayer, I'm automatically going to grow. No, actually there's another step in that. And that is when we read the Scripture and we place ourselves and the blessing comes not in just the reading. God does bless the reading. But take it one step further and practice that. And that's what Jesus was saying. What he was saying is take my yoke upon you was saying enter into discipleship. Let me be your teacher. Focus on my teachings and agree with me. And when decisions come in your life, seek my will. Learn to walk my way. Enter into the teachings that I've given and, and adjust your life to these teachings that I'm giving you. Be my disciple. In a very real sense, we, the Bible called the early believers disciples. There was differing ones. There were the twelve, the apostles, minus Judas. And there was a seventy, and there was a great crowd. But all who had committed themselves to follow Jesus were disciples. When you come to Christ to receive Him as your Lord, you become His disciple. When you accept Him as your Savior at the cross, you accept Him as your, as, as your Savior and you become His disciple. Now, to take the yoke of Jesus means to yield our will to Him and to learn to live our lives in agreement with Him, with His teachings, to stay with Him, to pull in the same direction and in the same rhythm. How many of you have ever participated in a three-legged race? This would be one. Raise them up. Be proud of it. How many of you before the race is over fell on your face? Yeah, there you go. So, Brother Dave, no, don't come up. Man, I, I hate this COVID thing because it messes up my illustrations. I could get somebody to come and join their leg with me. And here's what happens to most people. That person is going there while I'm going here on a three-legged three -legged race. And if you've done it, you know what? You tie your leg together down to your ankle, tie it together up here, and you got to run. All right, so if I'm with a short person, first we have to put our, we have to come into agreement. I wasn't, I wasn't picking at you, Bug. We have to come into agreement about which leg goes first. Because if you start with the middle leg, he starts with that, and I start with the left one. Don't work, does it? Get that in your brain, got it? If I'm with a short person, or a short person's with a tall person, not only that, I gotta adjust how, how far I step. My wife and I used to walk the track of the 
the walking track at Punch Tool Recreational Park. And because she would be walking straight, but my stride's a little longer, and so I could keep up with her and not leave her, I'd be going like this around. I'd just be going like this while she's going straight. You have to learn to adjust. That's why three-legged races are fun to watch because most people can't do it. But every once in a while you get somebody who pairs up who can run. Jesus is saying, tie your leg together with my leg. Learn finances being my disciple. Learn what I say about how to do that. Pastors don't like, you know, some pastors like myself, I don't particularly like to teach on tithing. But you need to learn to tithe. If you want God's blessing, you better get in agreement with God and your finances. And some folks don't like this, they don't like that. Listen to me, please. It's not about what I like. It's not about what you like. It's about what pleases the heart of God. There can be no growth in any area of our Christian lives until we learn to agree with God about what he says. We may increase in our intellectual understanding, but we don't grow into Christ-likeness without a fundamental change of mind regarding all that God has said. Not just an initial change of mind, but a continual adjusting my mind. I thought I had this thing of discipleship down pretty good when I was just me. I was in college, had my quiet time set, I had this, I had that, and there wasn't anybody else in my life. And somewhere along the way, when I took a full-time job, I had to make some adjustments in my life. When I married, I had to make adjustments. When I had children, I had to make adjustments. And then when grandchildren came along, my goodness, i got twice as many adjustments to make. Learning to put ourselves in agreement with God. Listen, we can gather knowledge, and what knowledge does? The Bible says knowledge puffs up. We can go to Sunday school, read quarterly, read our Bible, and do all those things. And all those things are good, but they're not the end, project, end, end product. If they're the, me, the end instead of the means, then we're using it wrongly. Knowledge will puff me up. But knowledge put to work in application as we hear the Holy Spirit showing us how to love people will build us up. Spiritual de- development conforms us more and more into the image of Christ so that our actions, our attitudes, our values, our choices are constantly becoming more and more like Christ. Let me give you a little scriptural exercise here. I'm check my time out. 2 Corinthians 6, 4, 14 through 7, 1. Second Corinthians 6. All right, you got it up there. Thank you all. We can look up the screen. Do not be bound together 
with unbelievers. What partnership does righteousness and lawlessness have? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Paul is writing specifically in the matter of sexual purity and about marriage, and, but the general application goes beyond that. Is do not enter into agreements with unbelievers as, an, as a basis for your life. And that doesn't mean to be disagreeable to people. But when you, when you, create, when you create a company and you create it to glorify God and another person creates it to just make money, you're at odds. Same is true in marriage. Don't be bound together. In other words... In other words, if we're not in agreement on what our direction is, we cannot be successful. Continue. Scroll that on. What harmony has Christ with Belial and what has an unbeliever in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? We're the temple of the living God. Just as God has said, I will dwell with them and I'll walk among them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. That's what God said of you and of me. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. And don't touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. He is not talking about Christian communes. He's talking about what's in our heart and the governance of our lives and the essential character of who we are. That that character issue of our lives that governs our walk is, is informed not by the world's values or unbelievers' values, but by God. Come out and be separate. Don't touch what is unclean. I welcome you. Keep going into chapter 7 for just a moment. Right here. Therefore, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all that defiles our flesh and our spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Let's just break that down a little bit. What's he talking about? He's talking about being in agreement. It is important to learn to be in agreement with God because if your agreement is with yourself or your agreement is with the values of this world, you cannot be in agreement with God. You may be saved, but living a life that is not growing and is not reflecting godly values because, because this yoke, if you're pulling against the yoke because you love to do what you want to do without walking with God, it will not lead you in a good direction. All right. We grow in Christ when we receive revelation from Him through Scripture and the Holy Spirit. We listen to His voice and we vote to be in accord with God. I want to back up to that passage for just a moment. Second Corinthians six fourteen through seven one tells us about the importance of agreement with God. All right, so there's two words, two Greek words. And I only, I mean, I admire my professor friends that can just take a Greek Bible and read out of it. I can't do that. 
I've taken quite a few hours of Greek, but I still got to go back and look up stuff. But I discovered this. Sometimes there's words that are translated the same in our English Bibles, but actually are totally, totally different words. And so we get one connotation instead of the two that were intended. One of the words for agreement in this passage is symphoneo, which is the root word from which we know as symphony. Any of you ever been to the symphony? You ever heard the music? Oh my goodness. Wow. In the background, these trumpets and these violins and these string instruments and all these wind instruments, and when they're done rightly, they're all playing according to what the note is that is written for them. And the effect is beautiful. But the principle is what? Agreement. When you and I get our life into agreement with God, God takes our lives and helps us to live in agreement with others who agree with Him. And it's a beautiful thing. The other word that's used there, thesis means to vote the same. Or to cast a joint vote. We grow in Christ when we learn to implement what He teaches us through His Word in our life in co cohesion with others who are doing the same. And it makes a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful thing. Listen. Zion Hill, I have had many people say to me in these years I've been here, man, I, I came in and I just sensed the presence of God. When we are all listening to the same Spirit and saying the same truth, and when in our heart of hearts, our desire is to please Him and not ourselves. It's beautiful music. And the world can hear it. And they recognize the harmony that comes out of agreement. But agreement also means that I have a daily vote. And that daily vote requires me to cast a vote. Wives, that's why the Bible says, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. To learn to vote with your God-fearing, godly husband. To be in agreement. A home can have no harmony if there's no agreement. Children, submit yourselves to your parents. Obey your parents. It's to walk into agreement. Now, the Bible is not telling us to vote the same as ungodliness. It's telling us to vote the same as, as we find in the revelation of Christ and we find in God's Word. We learn 
to walk in agreement with God when we learn discipleship is what he calls us to. The cross is the place where we have our sins forgiven. The yoke is the place where we enter into a life transformation. See, the point, the point, and I'm, I'm going to step on some of your toes. The point of Sunday school is not to just grow in knowledge. The point of Sunday school is to further develop you in transformation of your life that develops you into knowledge is good if knowledge informs you how to make life choices. And it leads to transformation in your life. Entering into discipleship with Jesus, we learn to agree with God because to not agree with God is to agree against God. Not to vote with Jesus is to vote with his enemy. Important verse Jesus said in John 10, and I close with this. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it like a gushing, overflowing artesian well. Learn to vote here because there's no in-between. We, we think, well, I'll choose this part of Jesus, but, I, but that other, nah, I don't want to go there. I mean, it's, it's, it's one or the other. And, and what the Bible says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, starts out with the same thing he started out with in the garden with Eve. Jesus called him the father of lies. And the lie begins to question the truth. And when he gets us into questioning the truth, I'm not, I'm not saying don't question how to understand the truth. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying questioning the character and the nature and the intent and the purposes of God. His, the enemy's game plan is to lie. And if you buy into the lie... Right then and there, just like with Adam and Eve, he steals from you God's blessings. He steals from you God's power. He steals from you God's promises. Lie, steal, kill. He begins to kill all that is good. The day that you eat of this tree, you will die. Adam and Eve died in the garden before their bodies died years later. And they were naked and not ashamed. They had no consciousness of sin because God walked with them in fellowship. But once they disobeyed God, they believed the lie, then innocence died and they became naked and, and ashamed and they hid from God. And when God said, have you eaten of the tree? And Adam said, it's not my fault. It's that woman you gave me. And she said, not my fault, it's that serpent. But the truth is, it's my vote. It doesn't matter who told me to cast, it's my vote. 
An agreement with God means I vote consistently to obey and to live in fellowship with Him. Pray with me. Father, you're good and we love you. And we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the promise of rest, of soul rest, that even in the midst of coronavirus, even in the midst of a life-changing diagnosis by a doctor, that those who walk in agreement with you can have peace and soul rest from the weariness. Lord, I, I confess to you, I so need to let you define reality so I can learn to walk in harmony with you. Moment by moment, day by day, through words and actions, I pray you'd help us this morning to commit ourselves fresh to that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm closing with this, and we, uh, I want to challenge you on several levels. Number one, the word to confess, the word to confess. The Bible says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. The word to confess literally means to agree with. When we confess our sins, we're entering into an agreement with God that what we did was sin. Now, the fact that somebody sinned with us is immaterial to what we agree with God about. The fact that we're in a hard situation or circumstance is immaterial to where we have to go to be right with God. To confess means I have to agree with God about that and own up and admit. To confess Christ. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you agree with me about who I am, and you say so before men, then I'm going to agree with you about who I say you are when I bring your name before the Father. To confess is to agree. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, if there's a need in your life to take a step forward in this, to come to the cross, come to Calvary, that you would present yourself to us. I, I'm not doing the come forward and talk to us, but that you would, you would present yourself to Dave or to myself. There's in the bulletins, phone numbers, that you would contact us, you would call the office, and we will arrange to talk with you about that decision. The second thing I'm asking you to do is, Christian... You accepted Christ as your Savior. But are you learning the freedom of walking with Him? Now you say, that doesn't look like freedom to me. Well, I want to tell you, when you walk with Christ and you learn His rhythm, it becomes soul rest because you're no longer pulling all the weight of your load. You're walking in harmony with the one who pulls the load and teaches you how to do it. We're going to sing a, a song of dismissal, of invitation, and I ask you to stand, and while we're singing this song, that you would do business with God in your heart, in your life, then you would communicate that through a yellow card in the bulletin, or through a text, or a phone call to Pastor Dave or to myself. 
And we will follow up with you and communicate with you in agreement. But you know what? If you're in a home group, if you're in a, in a safe group in your home, your, your family group, maybe confess that there too, that God spoke to me today about this. Because our confession often prompts other people to respond to God. Let's sing and then let's be dismissed. Have you ever said, as I have, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this alone. i got to have your help. Well, that's true, isn't it? Sometimes we go so far in one direction before we stop. I asked the Lord last week, why is it that you want me to pray about stuff when you could just help me? I mean, I lost my glasses. I can't find them. You know where they are, won't you? Because he wants us to consciously connect and communicate. And as soon as I stopped and did that, boop, he showed me. Living a God-dependent life, consciously relying upon the Lord, and he pulls that load with us. And learning to agree means pulls it with us instead of in spite of us. Learning to walk with Jesus. God bless you. Let's pray together. Have a good week. Look, the Lord has invited you to face coronavirus in yoke with him. And I know you get so stinking tired of it, you don't want to hear any more about it, but it doesn't seem to be going away. In fact, that attitude kind of leads to more spread. And it's ramped up rampant in our area. So protect yourself. And if you don't, if you're not afraid for yourself, 
protect other people around you. Take whatever necessary precautions so you don't spread it to others that may not have your strength and your immunity. Lord, you're good and we love you. Thank you for the promise that we can come into agreement with you as we confess the truth about who you are and what you said. God, we need your help. We need revival in our churches. We need spiritual awakening in our land. Turn the hearts of this world back to you and turn our hearts to you daily to cast our vote, to sing the same note as you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, sings and as you vote. Help us to agree with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, I hope to preach on learning to confess what Jesus says about us. Spiritual growth is not only knowing who Christ is, but knowing what he says about who we are. Hope you'll be back. God bless. Stay safe.